La 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 wait till I give my money right. I had a dream. We've had these discussions. I'm like, Cody, you know, what the fuck do you want? Like, do you want a million dollars because then you can wear um, a, a Rolex and you can go to the club and throw money around and get girls? Well, I'm like, Cody, I can give you that life right now without the Rolex down in Floripa. So, like, if that's the case, then how about you go experience it and you'll realize that it's not the greatest fulfillment in the world, 100%. That's what happens to a lot of these people who I've met or who I've read books about or who I've talked to is like, they get to the 50 years old and they have the sports car and they have the big house and they, they can go to, to Italy and, and, and stay in a 500 euro hotel in, in Pusitano. I always say Pusitano. I think it's Positano, you know? <laughs> and uh, they're like, wow, this, I worked my whole life for this. It's like, damn, like I, I got rid of my twenties, my thirties, this and that. Now here I am. And I'm kind of old. I'm tired. I got a nagging wife. And like, it's like, maybe I wish I could be that free spirit. I've so many people have told me, that have lots of money. I wish I was you. I wish I was roaming around, living the wanderer life, being with these different girls, having these different experiences, like just like taking it in. And I'm, I'm not going broke doing it. I'm probably saving way more money than if I did live in the US. And that's why I talked to you about is like, okay, well, where's the balance between, you know, the sacrifices or like my situation, my sacrifice that I learned to fall in love with. And maybe you fell in love with your sacrifices is, uh, out of the comfort zone living that a lot of people just don't want to do or can't do. And that's how I sacrifice, but I love it. Like I flipped it, I guess. And you can't tell me nothing, right? Excuse me, was you saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. Here we go, back in bold. Orange is the new black. This is bold perceptions. Got the don't tread on me flag in the background because that's how I've been feeling. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be told to do a mask. I don't want to be told where I need to go with who I need to go with. I just want freedom, Cody. I talk to you about this freedom all the time and it's really neat because I've been seeing you do it the past couple of years going from the corporate world to now owning rentals, to now basically not having your own boss. I like that attitude. Cody, a longtime friend. Uh, we went through the Juco grind together. I'm glad to have you on. Let's get after it today. Thank you. That's uh, That was a good introduction. I appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, you've been supporting for a long time, and I appreciate that. And I'm excited to have just a, a conversation. I get so sick of these, these interviews and whatnot, and if I can bring the conversations that me and you have um, on the phone to this, I think it would be wonderful. What's up with your life? I know you just went through some stuff and now you're a free bird, huh? Yeah. So just had a little, uh, little job change and, uh, kicked out, <laughs> kicked out on my own. I'm out in the wild. It's like week, week two, I think. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. But that's been your life though, too. You got the nickname, the roach when you're at UNLV playing football and you kind of came from the gutter, so to say, huh? Yeah, that's actually, that's a funny story. So that, that name was given to me because I walked on at UN and it was a couple of teammates that gave, uh, that gave me the name at the time because I, uh, I wasn't 21 and I was sneaking into the pool clubs and they're like, they're like, man, you can't kill this guy. He's like a cockroach. And then it kind of just stuck and it, it grew amongst the team. Cause that's how I was like with everything. Like, Walk-ons didn't get the same protein shakes. They didn't get the same the same meal plans and everything. And I just like kind of found a way to win. And so it stuck, but it was always hilarious because the name was pretty cool. Like when you looked at the, how it started, but when we would be out and all my friends would be like, hey, Roach. And, you know, girls and, and everybody would be around there like, why do they call you Roach? Like, that's disgusting. Like, what do you what do you do? So that was always, it was always funny, but it like the meaning was cool, but it was always funny when people would hear it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, that's been your whole life though, dude. I mean, from a, the, the trailer park to the, the Juco, I don't know if you want to talk about the activities you were involved in, in junior college, but to walking on to grinding at uh, lifetime to now you have rentals. I mean, you've been like, they can't kill you a nuclear bomb. He just keeps going and going. Where does that like attitude come from? Why? Like, why didn't, why aren't you sitting in Albert Lee at the factory, you know, like, Sadly, most of the people from Elberly. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly goes back, like we talk about it all the time, you know, you you brought it up multiple times, I think, in, in previous podcasts as well, just like the victim mindset. Like you got two choices, you either you either are the victim or you go ahead and and just take control of your own life. So it's like your circumstances might not be great, but you're in control of how you adapt and overcome those circumstances. So it's like, yeah, you can't choose what what cards you're dealt, but you can definitely choose how to play with them. Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot. That I got the pocket aces and you got the two seven off series. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's personal. That's just personal uh, shit talking there. That's not. But no, speaking about that, because me and you kind of, oh, we try not to do as much anymore, but like the freeloaders and the people that bitch and this victim uh, mindset that is so prevalent now in society. And I think you've gotten a really heavy dose of it um, through your experiences in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas, you see like the highs of the highs of this, uh, this world we live in. And then also all the fucking, you know, bottom feeders, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got both sides of the spectrum in Vegas. It's just, it's, it's such a spread or a separation of like poverty and wealth that you see and you see both. They're like, they're intertwined. You know, you'll be walking million dollar houses. You got a homeless guy, you know, picking food up off the side of the street. So it's, it's definitely a kind of like a, a culture shock coming from a small Midwest town. I actually kind of want to rewind too, because like you're, you're talking about how you have pocket aces, but I also like, I think that you take, you got to kind of like separate that because you don't, you're not really going flaunting pocket aces, you know, like I, I kind of want the listeners because you've never told the story about your Juco experience when you got your spot taken, you had the little kind of falling out with the coaches you could have went back to mom and dad and said, Hey, give me some money. Like I'm going to go and I want to go and take vacations and travel the world and buy Prada and Gucci. And you said, no, nah, fuck that. You rolled up your sleeves, came back to practice. You were doing fucking jacket reminders with the coach, earned your spot back, didn't go to a D one program, went to another Juco and then ended up going to Adam state. And now you're playing professional ball overseas. Like that's, like that's the mindset, even though you have the pocket aces, you don't, you're not caught up on the fact of how your cards are and you're not, you're not piggybacking off of that. You know, you're still in control of everything that you do as well. Yeah, no, no I agree. Um, I haven't talked too much about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always, I think my struggles or my adversity came from like really trying to get outside of the comfort zone and it, that pisses a lot of people off and some people like it or not. And a lot of people, so here's how I phrase it is if you really go against the grain, everyone around you is going to test you because they're like, who the fuck is this kid? Who does he think he is? Like, he can't be that like bold. He can't be that confident. Like he's going to fail. It's a lot of times it comes from an insecurity. Like, damn, I wish I could say that or, or do that. And they don't. So they kind of put their insecurities on someone. But the second you just keep fighting and beating it and beating it, there comes a point where they're like, oh, shit, he's the real deal. And then they get behind you and love you. Like it happened in Juco, yeah. right? They kicked me out. I almost got fouled with the coaches at practice. They were saying like, saying I suck and everyone hated me. And it was, and then by the end of it, I mean, I ran that shit. I did whatever the fuck I wanted to. <laughs> and it's yeah. just funny how like the tables turn if you can, you know, prove yourself. But like I study history all the time. And I'm not obviously saying this is on that level, but like the similarities between like, like a Caesar crossing the uh, Rubic Rubicon, the river and like uh, taking over Rome or like um, Alexander the Great, um, like uh, getting out all the um, Persians out of there and then conquering to like India. It's like that might Napoleon for fuck's sakes. He was a nobody in uh, Corsica and he grew up to be this, um, you know, taking over all of Europe at one point. But it's just like, if you can just keep proving them wrong and not quit, if you don't quit and you just keep going and going, they're finally like, oh, he's the real deal. Know what I mean? It's like a society shit test. And if you can pass it, then you get the rewards. If you can't, then shit, it is what it is. But it's better to strike out than just sit on the sidelines the whole time, I think, in my opinion. Yep. That's that's the biggest thing at the end of the day, limiting your regrets. You know, like if you didn't come back and try to play football, like who knows what you'd be doing right now, you know, and it might be eating you alive to this day that why didn't I go and try it? So yeah, that's it. I got it. 
The first I, I time I, met him, that. I, I couldn't imagine because like football is giving me so much. It's taking me so many different places. It's giving me so many different opportunities, met all these different people. And it's just like there's there were so many times like not even that Juco, but um, in NCAA um, in high school, like all these different times like that. I always come to that point, that breaking point. And luckily, I just put the bootstraps back on. Like I got humbled a lot and I had to go through a lot of crap because of it. But I mean, I think that is for everybody in life. It's like you always hit those breaking points and just keep chugging along. I think sometimes you need to make a change, like, and if it's good for you, but not like quitting, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just like, I got to get out of here. I got to make a move. But it is trippy to to think about, like, I'm thank God I, I had people in my corner that pushed me to do something. I actually remember it. It was in the cigar lounge. So I went back home and I went to the cigar lounge I'd been going to for a while and uh, this old dude that I'd seen, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, aren't you supposed to be playing ball right now? And I'm like, oh, no, I you know, got in with the coach, and I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm done with the season. And he's like, dude, you got to go back. Like, I don't know. You, you have to. Like, there's no and, ifs, or buts. Like, you'll regret it the rest of your life. And I'm like, what? And then I went to go uh, make a bonfire at my house at that night. And I was sitting there. I was smoking another cigar. And I started talking to my dad. I'm like, shit. And then luckily, too, here's another fucking crazy thing is um, the game you guys had, the quarterback, like, didn't do that good, and you guys barely won. And, like, if you would have done good, I mean, why would they want me back, right? But then they're like, oh, maybe it's like all these things added up. And the same thing happened in the NCAA the year before. I was just telling the story because we were talking about football with uh, a guy, another American on the team yesterday. And uh, I didn't get uh, to start the first game when I went to NCAA Division Two, right? I'm like, I'm a D1 player. I just set national records. I went to the national championship and I settled for a D2 because, you know, they had a good passing offense. And I thought it was the best fit. And I got there for spring uh, spring training or whatever. I took a year off, remember, after Juco? And I got there for spring training. And I thought I beat this dude out by fall camp, right? But they're like, no, like, you know, he started last year and you didn't, like, take it away. And the guys on the team like him and, you know, like, but you'll get your ch- chance, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, at that point, I almost quit, too. I'm like, I'm just going to go transfer. Why waste in their season, right? And uh, something said, okay, just hold out. Like, just prove them wrong in the game. Because they said, like, I was going to get reps in the game. Anyways, we get to the game. It's a 12-hour bus ride. So I'm taking the 12-hour bus ride to go to a game. I'm not even starting in. First time in my, like, uh, life I had to deal with that. I felt like this is – I'm a loser. Like, I had my whole family going there. I had, like, 15 people traveling to South Dakota to see me, right? And we go to this game. And our team gets up like 34 to three at halftime. And the quarterback playing is just doing really good. Everyone's like, oh, like you're the man. Like you're the best ever. I'm sitting here. No one gives a fuck about me. I'm a loser. Like all this kind of stuff. And then uh, later on in the game, they ended up coming back and it got to like uh, overtime. And there was never like a situation where the kid was like uh, uh, throwing the game away. So they didn't put me in, you know, and they end up losing in double overtime, like on the last play or this last drive something crazy and after the game the coach said okay I'm so sorry like you know we should have played you and next week you're starting and meanwhile this kid I mean he did pretty damn well he threw some picks at the end you know and all of a sudden his opportunity just thrown away which I felt pretty shitty for that too it's like you know this dude kind of did what he could now you're just gonna just because you lost the double OT just you know ditch him anyways next week comes and we're starting against our biggest rival right it's the Colorado Classic uh, the oldest like rivalry in uh, Colorado and um, I'm starting and we're doing shit the whole first quarter. And like, I think at the end of the first quarter, um, I had like a screen pass to like my right and the DN like jumped up and tipped it. And then he, he, he dove and he was about to p- pick it off and he didn't pick it off. And um, I could just tell like if he picked it off, because before that series, like you better fucking do something. You're out of the game. They're screaming at me. Right. And um, so then it, he didn't get it. And I'm like, holy shit. And then, so it's third down. I drop back, I'm getting pressure, I scramble and throw like a rocket, like 30-some yards to a guy, we get a touchdown, and I threw back-to-back-to-back touchdowns. It just fucking dominated. And after that, everyone's like, oh, you're the man, you're so good, you're so, I'm like, but it's crazy, bro. Like, if you look back at your life, too, it's like all these little things, like, it just, it went right, or it, you just kept moving, and it happened, and it's trippy to think about. Anyways, rant over. Well, you had you had good points there that kind of uh, trickle into our next topic on on like the corporate world. And I'll get there, too. But uh, like how you were talking, it, it's 
for college athletes, it's, it's tough because you're trained for, you know, what are your whole life basically that, and it's, it gets amplified in the college level because these college coaches, they need to play the, per, the right, the right players because otherwise they're fired. You know, and if, if you're giving a scholarship to a guy and then the scholarship guy is not playing, you, you're looking like an idiot to the admin. And so the, the admin is, you know, coming and saying, hey, why are you not playing the guys you're giving scholarships? Why are these walk-ons playing? Are you not a good fit for our, our coaching staff? You know, so and the turnover is crazy. So these coaches have all this pressure to play the best, the hardest worker, the person that's going to win the game. And then when you graduate college and you get out of the, the college level or the college sports, I should say, and go into the real world, it's almost completely opposite. Uh, I think it, you met, you had a post about Robert Green the other day, and, and uh, he's got a good book that I've kind of started to read where it's like the, the first rule is don't outshine the master. And that's very fitting in the corporate world because as soon as you start to outshine your boss, they don't want to tell their superior that you're doing better than them because then it's going to, it's going to make, it's giving them competition for their, their cushy corporate job. So it's going to make them work harder. Yeah. Okay. Good transition. Okay. Corporate world. A point I want to make about that, um, that the football world too. You're right, dude. It's a freaking like meat grind. Like these coaches need to put food on the table. They don't give a fuck about you. Like what they do to like these like 17 to 22 year old kids is, is kind of sick. Thank God. Now the, the kids are getting money, you know, through all the national intent stuff. And obviously they have the scholarship and whatnot, but if these guys are feeling that you're detrimental or you're a waste of scholarship money, they will make your life living hell to get yeah. you to quit. Like it is not, anyone that thinks like these athletes oh like you guys got free school and you got it so easy like you have no fucking idea what like 4 a.m workouts are like what the fall camp is what a ga coaches ga coaches were the worst they had they wanted to prove something to everyone that they were the biggest tough guy ever as you know like i have the huge issues with authority but yeah the segue into the your your topic about the corporate world because i really wanted to talk to you about it as i've never lived the corporate world and i hope to god i never have to is um, like you're saying, you, you go from this athlete that's competing, like putting your life on the line, like going to war and you get to this corporate world and it's a total flip of phys- physicality and, and uh, doggy dog to like, okay, how do I play this game? And like, uh, uh, what uh, tactics can I use? And who's, who's dick can I suck? And I think that's fascinating. We talked about it a lot is like, it doesn't matter how good you are, like at your job, like politics is what runs corporate America. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, when you go to, when you go to the college level for sports, like you're thrown into whatever position, position room or whatever sport it is, you know, and a lot of times these people that you're put into the same room with are your friends and, and companions. And you're told you, it doesn't matter if it's your friend, your brother, your sister, your cousin, go take their spot, go show who the best person's going to win, fight to the death take their, take their job, you know? And then all of a sudden you get to the corporate world and it's like, all right, I'm going to take my boss's job. And then when anybody asks your boss, how you do, how you're doing, doesn't matter how good it is. If you're outshining the master, like I was saying, they're not going to talk good about you. They're like, Oh, you know, he's a, he's a hard worker, but I don't know. He's just, he's not a good fit. You know, or they'll, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're going to say. It's just, it, it to work on his team player skills. Like, yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> exactly. And so that's why I, I mean, I don't know how many, uh, how many other athletes could attest to this, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a great transition just with how, how you're taught um, to perform at a, at a college level sport and then all of a sudden go into the corporate world. So because athletes are great workers, but when you've got a non-athlete, that's your boss. They don't really like, they don't really like a hard worker. So you got to play the game in the game. I just, I, I mean, from afar and from what I read and what I see is I couldn't imagine. I mean, obviously us humans, we get used to anything, but like dealing with your HR, dealing with one week of vacation, like, and I know your company until you get later on, you really have like two, three days paid off. Right. I mean, it's literally, yeah, they make good money for sure. Compared to the rest of the world. If you're in corporate America, you have the safety, you have the security. Right. But I mean, I know when I get in a routine, all of a sudden it's a month goes by 
And if you're in that corporate America, bro, like I, I would feel like my whole life would fly by me in, in a minute. And what is it really getting you though? Like, yeah, then you get the nicer car because you have to, because you have the promotion. And then oh, I'm going to get a watch to show that I can belong in this room. And like these suits are always on their toes, their eggs. Like you have onboarding calls and this call and like, and then dealing with these fucking HR people, you can't say anything and you have to watch your back at all times. I mean, to me, it sounds like modern day hell. I mean, I look at it like the fight club thing when they go through with um, uh, Edward Norton's character. It's just like, to me, that's just not living. You know, I, I could, I can't do it. That's why I refuse to do it. I, I will do anything I can to not live in that world. Is it that bad or am I just making it up? I mean, when you're there, it's, it's not, it's not the worst. Like I, I actually liked the company that I worked for and COVID kind of really uh, disrupted a lot of industries. And so like, I, I mean, if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would still be drinking the corporate Kool-Aid and climb, trying to climb the ladder, you know, and I, I feel like I'd be probably doing fairly fine, but I would have never experienced the things that I experienced after leaving, which kind of like shot me out of the matrix in a sense. And I'm starting to realize more of the things that that you've kind of been talking with the, the nomad life and and just having more control and, and not having to take orders from somebody. Um, but well, yeah, I, I mean, also, me, me and you used to go, go at this a lot because sometimes I come at it in a way that makes it sound like, dude, you're fucking stupid. Like just live my life. And it's a fairy tale world. Right. But I get there's circumstances and things and perceptions and whatnot, but to break it down for a lot of people is like, um, like in my life, I live very good at $2,000 a month, sometimes less. I mean, sometimes more if I'm like splurging myself and people think like, what? $2,000? That's my rent. You know what I mean? But you get lost in this machine, this cog, where you think that corporate America and the American way is the only thing that's like reality and that you need to lease a nicer car. That you, they, Oh, I need to get the four-bedroom house and I need to um, – uh, like you just spend stupid fucking money, right? And you don't like leverage the gift you were given of uh, the American dollar and being born in the United States. And then I always look at it like this. As I tell you this, like when I was young, I thought I needed to be – super freaking rich to live the life I do now. Like that was a huge perception switch when I'm like, wait a second, I'm doing what I thought I needed millions of dollars to do. So why don't I just keep doing this and, and still try to make money? You know what I mean? But I'm living how I wanted to live. So like, it's like a whole reality switch in your head once you get out of it. But I think there's a reason that a lot of people are in that matrix because it's the reason why our economy is so good. It's to get a lot of people in debt through like student uh, loans, through uh, housing, through, um, how much it takes to raise a kid now. So you just work your ass off and then maybe possibly retire when you're, you know, 60 or 70. Like it's the American economy. It runs on debt. So it's good for people like me. If you can like see it or like get your foot out of it, because then you can take advantage of the pros of it and then eliminate the, the cons of it. Yeah. I, I agree with that there. I was talking with a good friend of mine that's in the corporate world still actually a few days ago. And, and he's got student loans, which I'm I'm thankful I was able to avoid. But that wasn't, you know, we went JUCO, walk on, earn scholarship. So that wasn't an easy, that wasn't just a free handout. So I'm thankful for that. But he was he was just explaining me, you know, talking. He's like, how do you, how do how do I get to where I don't have debt, but like I also want to pay into my retirement? And it kind of like opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, he's so he was. He had a couple different options. He had done all of his research and he's kind of just, you know, he wasn't asking me what he should do. He just wanted more input, you know? And uh, basically he had, he was like, do I just pay off all my debt right now? And then basically clear the slate or he's like, my debt interest is only this and I could invest and make more than that if I put it into my retirement. And so it kind of made me think like, maybe we're, maybe we're trained to put, all of our money so we can't touch it till we're 65 without a penalty and not pay off our debt so that we just we're always having to work the corporate world you know you'll never break out so i mean my my advice for anybody that's looking or recently about to graduate or going to get a new position is i would i would try to aim for a skill that you want to learn or you're you have some sort of curiosity about cuz for me i had no idea i when i went in the corporate world i was working sales I thought I would hate it. Honestly, I I was like selling, selling stuff. Like I've got to 
got to talk to people and make cold calls. You know, like it, it sounded miserable on paper, but I just didn't care. I wanted a job. Oh, let me interject. Let me interject. Cause this is fucking hilarious. Um, it's hilarious. Oh, sure, sure. I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> you used to not be that good at communicating to people. I think that you weren't like close with. You're kind of like doofy with your communication skills. And I remember hearing the job interview um, recording because my buddy recorded it. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, we just couldn't stop laughing. And they're like, this dude will never sell. Like, he can never work here. And then it was funny. What, in six months, you were one of the top salesmen. And I mean, now you, you can sell, you know, the pen to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point. And I don't know why that that was. I probably still actually struggle with uh, selling myself sometimes. But I think it was always just like, oh, I'm from this small farm town. Like my whole life, I was told I was never going to go to to Division One. I. I was told I was never going to play college football. You know, so it's like I, I was always told these things that I was always oh, never going to be this, never going to be that. You're from a farm town in rural Minnesota. You can't break out the rat race. I kind of believed it for a second. So like I'm going in these interviews, I'm like, man, I shouldn't be here. You know, what am I supposed to tell these people? I've never sold anything. But then when I look back, I'm like, man, I I was always selling stuff. Like when we do fundraisers and there was like a hundred dollar gift card because I was just poor as hell, you know, I'd I'd go and sell all the fundraiser cards and all the rich people. Well, not rich, but the wealthier kids would just have their parents buy off the the 20, you know, fundraiser cards or something. And I'm out there door knocking selling selling the the raffle tickets or, you know, whatever it was for the year. And I didn't know, I didn't even know how to apply that. Cause I didn't, I didn't think I was, I was going to be good at selling or I didn't, I think I didn't think I was capable of, cause that's what I was told the whole time. Um, but that, yeah, that <laughs> looking back at that, that interview was hilarious. This is a good point for like these resumes and whatnot is to get creative. Like you said, you know, you could spice up. Okay. You know, I was, uh, you know, uh, fundraising for a community organization that helps the whatever, cause it keeps kids playing football, right? It's your football program, but you can spice it up. Same with your drone business. You had a drone business while well, I was an entrepreneurial for aerial photography when I was 18, you know, going around to multi-million dollar real estate things. You know what I mean? Like people get creative, like look at your life and put it in a different lens. You know what I mean? Like I do this with the podcast all the time and like all the relationships I've gotten for it. And I can say, you know, on my resume, top 3% podcast in the world, uh, audio engineer, um, uh, ed video editor, editor uh, specializing in three to five minute clip, like that kind of shit. New age social media that my Instagram reels, like a lot of people like diminish what they're doing, but if they actually look at it from a different lens or outside their own head, it's like, oh, wow, like these are skills I built up. These are somewhat unique to the rest of the world. So that's people have someone close to you say like, Hey, what do you think I do good? What have you seen the work I've done? And maybe you get a different uh, perspective on it. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like, I was, I was kind of brainwashed. Like I thought I walk in this interview, I knew a guy, I had my piece of paper. It was like, you're going to look at the piece of paper, know that I know the guy and I'll be hired. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to sell myself. Like I got my, I got my golden ticket. I passed, I passed college. You know, and then they didn't even ask about it. They didn't even want to see the, they didn't have, they didn't need any proof of my degree, which I don't know if that's how it is at, I mean, every, every employer after the first job, they just want to know your experience for the most part. That was another very like eye-opening thing where I'm like, what? I thought, I thought I got this golden tick certificate, like the world's mine now. And that wasn't the case. Hey, go back to what you were saying, though. So, like, um, practice a skill, someone coming out of college, you were doing a whole spiel on that, and I interrupted you. Oh, yeah. So, like, for for what I was saying is, like, I, I didn't think I'd like sales, and I, I thought it was just going to be a short-term thing, which, again, coming down to athletes, like, you, who likes going into training camp? Probably, you, most people probably don't but you do it and then the season comes, you know? So I was thinking, okay, sales is going to be this short-term thing. I'm going to learn, you know, the ins and outs of the the job and, and I'll climb up the ladder and go from there. And I would kind of take that, if I could give any advice, I would take that principle and just apply it to any job, you know, like say you want to learn how to do typing or reading, writing, copywriting, sales, marketing, just 
pick pick something you're somewhat interested in. Doesn't even have to apply to your degree because a lot of these places don't care. And so, and then try it. And if you like it, double down on it. If you don't like it, you're just skill stacking at this point. And then eventually something's going to click and you're going to find that thing. And that's like when I was doing the videos and stuff uh, for those, those houses with the drone business, you know, I, I had no idea if I was going to like it or not. It just, I liked doing the videography and the editing and then it ended up evolving into the, the real estate marketing. And then just kept going from there. And then now in hindsight, all of those skills that I developed are now getting like intertwined into my current life. And I'm able to take pieces from them to level up my current situation. So it's like at the very given time, you have no idea what you're going to apply it for. Like I had no clue if I would, how I would ever use sales outside of that specific job. And now I'm using, I'm using those skills that I learned every single day and for every job moving forward, I'll, I'll apply that. Yeah, the power of skill stacking. Um, How to fail at almost everything and still win big by Scott Adams. Must read. It's sad he's kind of gone off the rails the last couple of years, but I still like Scott. I still think he uh, is very smart. Um, but yeah, skill stacking, dude. I mean, I relate it back to this podcast. You know, I'm quite good at um, getting other people to do things. You know, in, in the best cause for. Uh, <laughs> for the project. And I always did since I was doing like contracting work when I was young and I'm just kind of smart with being like a leader and you know what someone has good skills. They had, they do that part and they make it good. And we focus on what they're good at. And I focus on what I'm good at. And then obviously um, we had Jake a long time ago on this podcast. I was doing like all the audio and we had a little situation with him and it forced me like, Oh shit, I just got to learn this. Like I got, I got to do it. And it's not complicated. All this stuff, guys, I'm telling you just the YouTube and the, the hardest part is just trying first. Okay, this sucks, nope. but now I'm getting better. I'm better. Oh, now I learned this, and now I have this add-on, and now I'm, you know, uh, taking music and putting it in here. And and the same thing with these reels. I was having George do this, posting on Instagram. I didn't even post on Instagram for the first, like, year and a half with this podcast, and I got forced to do it. And I would rely on George to make these reels, you know, and now he's doing his, his startup and whatnot. And all of a sudden, like, I got into it. I'm like, damn, this is fun. This is super cool. Like, I'm creating, and now, I mean – a lot of them are getting good tracks, good traction, good views. I'm able to put my creativity in it, like exactly how I want it. And now that's another skill. And like I thought before, like, oh, this is way too complicated. There's no way I can do this. And maybe my first ones weren't too good, but it, it becomes, you just get better and better at it. You just got to fucking do it. But everyone is scared to fail at the start. Everyone thinks you need to be, you know, the picture perfect person at the start when in reality, the people that you think are picture perfect, they start out the same fucking way. I love looking at um, Mr. Beast, his YouTube videos. Oh my God, that dude was a total clown for like a thousand videos. You know what I mean? Now he's, he's 50 to 100 millions of views each um, video. That's what I'm saying. If you can just get over the fear of embarrassment and all that, because no one actually gives a fuck. They really don't. It's all in your head. You're going to get better at it and it's going to lead into this. It's going to lead into that. And I love it. Skill stacking is is huge. Yeah, that's that's big. That's even uh, I'm a big Gary V fan. And you even if you even watch his old videos on Wine Library, he's got like I think it's probably a thousand, and he's like sitting on a, a a folded out table that's like you'd use for a garage sale with almost like a bed sheet in the back, and he's just ripping those videos, just looking like a complete clown show. And now the guy's like one of the top entrepreneurs out there. The other thing too, with what you just said is like a lot of people just get like paralyzed in that, like learning, like they, they'll read everything. And maybe, maybe you were like reading, Hey, how do I make the best podcast? You know, and you could, you could still be reading that same stuff to this day. If you never actually went and tried to, to, to do a reel on your own. And so you're just like, you might be an expert without ever even doing it, but you're still not an expert because it's never been applied. And it's like, as soon as you just push the ball, the snowball down the hill, it starts to build and it might not be pretty, but yeah, the biggest thing is just getting it, getting it moving. Yeah. Was it perilous by analysis? Paralysia? How do you say it? Paralyzed by analysis, maybe? There's there's a word or a phrase for that. Or well, like my friend that I was just talking about with the debt, right, is like he was sitting there. He had done nothing. He hadn't invested any money and he hadn't paid off any debt. 
and he's still out there asking like, and he had a great understanding of how to do it. And he's still coming to me and like, Hey, what do you recommend? And I'm like, I, who cares what I recommend? Like pick one that you think will work for you and then just go and try it. And if it doesn't work, then change your plan. But like, if you're just going to sit here and, and ask everybody what you should do, you're never going to actually do. So this is a great point to you with the crypto and investing. Like you just threw your shit at the wall and you learned hard. And then now you got really good at the selling the options and you still have the crypto stuff. And I mean, you did it. You just put your balls in line and, and it worked and you learn pretty quick, huh? Yeah, well, the the biggest thing is, I think that kind of goes back to on being like self self aware. Like for me, I can't. I hate school. I hate reading and studying and and you know watching videos. Like I gotta do and fail and then get get up and go try again. Like that's how I learn. Most some people might not learn that way the best, but yeah, literally, I got my first paycheck. I was looking, you know, how do you become a millionaire, right? Because that was what, like what you were saying, you think you need a million dollars to live this, this happy life. And so I'm researching, like, how do you, how do you be a millionaire? And like every single thing says, read books, invest your money, compound interest, 90% of millionaires are from real estate. So I'm like learning all these things. I'm like, okay, I need to invest. I can't buy a house because I'm poor. I don't have two years of work experience, but then you like reverse engineered. Okay. So I'm going to put that on the side and kind of get my two years of work experience, build up the credit, do all these things so I can get a house because getting a house, 90% of people that buy a house, they turn into a millionaire. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. If that's, that's crazy statistic. Like you're what 90% of people who buy a house, sorry, 90% of millionaires come from real estate. So like you're telling me if I buy a house, there's a 90% chance that I'm going to be a millionaire in my lifetime which now with inflation, like it's, I mean, you're seeing some people that bought houses for like 300,000, they're, they're worth half a mil now. And you're just like, what the, what the heck? But um, that's a whole different rabbit hole we could go down for, for hours. So yeah, it was just like, I was just, I got my paycheck and I was like, I'm going to act like I'm a broke college kid still with a, a big boy salary and see what happens. Because like I'm, I was used to living how I was living. So I was like, I'm not going to change that. I'm just going to take everything I get and just throw it. Hail Mary's and was throwing it at crypto investing. And like, I definitely got burned my fair share of times. You, you even heard me, you had to talk me off a cliff a couple of times, even, you know, I'm like, I lost all my money. What do I do? And, uh, it was like, get roll up your sleeves, get back out there, keep doing it. And then you learn and you build and then it just keeps going and going. And then once the snowball gets to that certain point, it's kind of get, it kind of gets put on autopilot. You made a good point. This goes back to the whole nine to five uh, thing is people like you, even now you rent and you own two places. You know what I mean? Like people, then they start getting the promotion then they start living above their means. This is a typical financial thing, but that's how you keep getting stuck in the, in the rat race. It's like, Oh, now that I'm making this more money. I think this is going to upgrade my lifestyle. This, uh, this apartment on this side of town is going to be the one that I feel good in. Or now if I get the 2021 model, like, okay, I'm going to get some more dates and this is going to be cooler. You know what I mean? Instead of you were totally fine a month ago living the way you were living. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, I need to upgrade my lifestyle. And then you keep getting stuck in, in that rat race. But um, yeah, that's a crazy point though, is you own two homes right now or two apartments and uh, you rent out of your friend's place. <laughs> yeah. Basically like, rent yeah, almost couch surfing for that for that i mean not really it's i have i'm renting a full room and everything but yeah I'm, I'm i'm living as if i was still in college and i've got two rentals and plenty of crypto and investments to where i could i could live off of if, if i wanted to and i just i don't know i don't know why uh it started this way but i just i really never left like the juco the juco mindset and then now that I'm starting to see how everything's sort of developing, I mean, there will be a, a point where you're getting all the things that you you want to get and what the world is telling you to get. But at right now, that's it's still too early for for that to happen. But it's it's interesting because like a lot of uh, peers that I'll talk to, they uh, they're like, why don't you? Oh, why don't you sell them and go buy a Rolls Royce or like? You know, they're like, sell your real estate and everything and, and go buy some stuff. Like, why don't you ever do any of that? 
And it's just, it's interesting how like materialistic people are. And I like, I don't even, if I bought a Rolls Royce, that wouldn't change my life or my happiness as if people thought it would, you know? Yeah. That's that minimalistic thing. Like, um, um, I, I started really getting into it when I realized like, whoa, you know, you're saying I could live this good of a life on this amount of money for this month instead of buying, you know, two designer shirts or some shit. Like if I buy something, I have to love it. And that's the rule. Like uh, if you love it, you can get it. If you don't absolutely love it, don't fucking buy it because you'll wear it twice and you can't resell it because clothing's pretty hard to resell or you just you, 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 and then you start getting rid of all your stuff. And you're like, OK, wow, this stuff never really made me happy. It's more how I'm living, the experiences I'm doing, the people I'm with, that kind of stuff is like, oh, this is like, this is really cool. But um, this is like cliche financial stuff. Hold on, Sheriff. Um, No boss. Because this is what I, it's where the don't tread on me in the background, like just not being told what to do, how to speak, you know, keeping your mouth shut. Like, I, I just, that's what I strive for. That's the only thing I give a fuck about is, well, obviously my family and people I want to be around. But this attitude, this lifestyle, this is kind of what your mission is too? Yeah, I uh, I always wanted to either be the boss or be my own boss. And so, and I, I feel like that's true for pretty much everybody. Like if if somebody goes in a job and, and they're not ambitious enough to want to run the, run the business or run that job, I, I don't know if they should even go for that job in the first place. You know, because that's, you're just setting yourself up to be miserable for the rest of your life if, if you're not that hungry to, to at least go and, and take over whatever, you know, industry you're going into. But I definitely, I want to be my own boss, call the shots, taking orders from somebody that's just in the, in the hamster wheel. And it's just not the life that I want to live. Yeah. You said you think everyone wants to be the boss or their own boss. I think they say that, but I don't think many people, I say 80% of them for sure don't want that lifestyle. They don't want what comes with it. They don't oh, want yeah. uh, to depend on uh, where they're going to get the money from or the employees they have underneath them or the responsibilities and the tax man and this and that. Like the, it, it, this lifestyle, like, um, I mean, I'm speaking from, so I'm not technically the boss of myself because obviously I get paid from the football and then from uh, the podcast management and whatnot, but I'm pretty free. I can do what the fuck I want, but uh like uh, from that perspective, not from like, oh, I, I own a company and I have employees underneath me, but people, they, they all say they want to be the boss, but they're not renting at their friend's house and they have two apartments. You know what I mean? Like you got to make sacrifices and you got to go through a lot of shit. I mean, I think my sacrifices are I live in um, less developed places. I live where the American dollar is leveraged uh, more. You know what I mean? Like that's not easy for a lot of people, a lot of people that haven't left the United States, they don't, they're scared of the foreign languages. They think everything is dangerous. So that is my like risk I've taken. Luckily, I thrive in that situation. I thrive like out of my comfort zone. A lot of people don't. They need comfort. They need their same friends, the same bar, a steady job and whatnot. Well, that that's a good point, because like I, I could have played football overseas if I wanted to. Like if I really wanted to, I had that opportunity. And I I was scared shitless to leave America, if, if we're being honest. I wasn't going to take that risk and I got put into the rat race. So if, if you, if, if you weren't willing to take that risk and go somewhere, like I remember the first couple of months you were out, uh, out of, out of the U S playing ball, like it wasn't easy by any means. Like you're, you got the culture shock, you're by yourself, you there's language barriers. So like making friends is different. And then you ended up, you ended up just pushing through that first, you know, what, what was it probably year? And then all of a sudden it just clicked and that, that falls back on everything we've talked about, just not quitting and just going and doing. And like you there, you could have pulled the plug a handful of times and came back and started working for your old man or some corporate America company. And you just didn't, you're like, I'm going to figure this out. Like I got my, I got my, my paycheck from the, from the football. I don't know anybody. I don't care. Let me figure it out and figure out a way to win. And that's, and now you love it. Now it's, it's the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it goes back to the, the original points. Nice. Yeah. And that's the same, uh, the same for me too. Is like, I, yeah, I, I took a different route and I went into the, the corporate America, the, I went down the corporate America path, but I took all the sacrifices that nobody else was 
to get to where I'm at now. Like we're and and we're not we're not rich or like huge business owners right now by any means. We're kind of still in like the earlier phase, but we're past that. We're past the first couple levels because of what we've done in the last few years. Like it took me three and a half, four, it's been four years now to get to where I'm at with the two rentals. And then I was able to save up off investments to where then I was able to take the jump out of the corporate America. And now I'm able to work on my own business and any, any sort of side things that at 26 at 26. That's at pretty 26. Yeah. And, yeah. and I graduated late cause I had to redshirt. you know, like I graduated college. Like if you go to college, like a lot of these kids are graduating early now, 21, 22, you know, they've got a little bit more debt than we had, but they're getting a two, three year head start. Cause what we graduated when we were 23, 22. I never graduated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, you can, you can pick how fast you kind of want to project it. You just have to be willing to make the sacrifices. Like I, I could have, I could have bought a nice house and just lived in it and never rented from anybody, but I wouldn't be able to do, I'd still be work. I'd, I would have had to work the corporate America route because I didn't set myself up. So it's like the sacrifices you make along the, along the journey, you just have to kind of figure out what your threshold is for those sacrifices. Yeah. And that's what I talk about with you. This is interesting about enjoying life too. And then just total sacrifice. Cause like I, we've had these discussions. Where I'm like, Cody, you know, what the fuck do you want? Like, do you want a million dollars because then you can wear um, a, a Rolex and you can go to the club and throw money around and get girls? Well, I'm like, Cody, I can give you that life right now without the Rolex down in Floripa. So like, if that's the case, then it will, how will you go experience it? And you'll realize that it's not the greatest fulfillment in the world. hundred percent. That's what happens. To a lot of these people who I've met or who I've read books about, or who I've talked to is like, they get to the 50 years old and they have the sports car and they have the big house and they can, they can go to, to Italy and, and, and stay in a 500 euro hotel in, in Pusitano. I always say Pusitano. I think it's Positano, you know, <laughs> and uh, they're like, wow, this, I worked my whole life for this. It's like, damn, like I, I got rid of my twenties, my thirties, this and that. Now here I am. And I'm kind of old. I'm tired. I got a nagging wife. And like, it's like, maybe I wish I could be that free spirit. I've so many people have told me that have lots of money. I wish I was you. I wish I was roaming around living the wanderer life, being with these different girls, having these different experiences, like, just like taking it in and I'm, I'm not going broke doing it. I'm probably saving way more money than if I did live in the U S and that's why I talked to you about is like, okay, well, where's the balance between, you know, the sacrifices or like my situation, my sacrifice that I learned to fall in love with. And maybe you fell in love with your sacrifices is uh, out of the comfort zone living that a lot of people just don't want to do or can't do. And that's how I sacrifice, but I love it. Like I flipped it, I guess. And you've told me before a lot is, you love the grind and you love like uh, this, like motivation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's uh, we do. We do go back and forth a lot on that. But I, I think we we always end where we're talking about the same thing. It's just a different it's just a different path. Because like how you have all these wealthier people that are like, man, I wish I did. I wish I did what you were doing. I have the same thing is like I'll I'll be talking with older well, especially when you work in sales, you're always talking with people and all these older people that were very successful, you know, they start to hear like, oh, you've, you've got two rentals, you're 26. Like, I wish I did that when I was your age. And the more you start hearing that, that's when you know you're starting to do stuff right. And in my opinion, and and you you have everybody has their, their own answer to this. Like, you're not going to get it from anybody else except yourself is you have to test. You have to test those what you're willing to sacrifice. Like there's times where I would, I was sacrificing way too much and I was miserable. And then I, I became aware of it. So then I had to change. I, I'm like, okay, I don't need to be going this extreme because at the end of the day, you're aiming for happiness, you know? And yes, it does take there. I think what the, it's probably changed now, but there's like a research. It's like 70,000 a year is, is like, after that, your happiness doesn't correlate to money anymore. So it's like, Yes, you do need a specific amount of of money to kind of break that original threshold, but then after that, it's you just happiness is what what you perceive it and what you you have the answer to that. Nobody else does. 
Yeah, that's that's actually yeah, a really good point. I like that. Um, because it does like yeah yeah. I remember you talked to me, but like you're like Nick. Like I am happy. I love working on my rental and fixing up and accomplishing it, and then working out and living in my friend's house for four hundred bucks. Like I'm happy, Nick. I'm like, oh shit. But I think, and this goes for me too. And I preach this is you don't know what makes you happy or what could make you more happy unless you try new things, right? That's why like I'm trying to get you to come over here like uh, whatever end of summer or whenever you can and just to see it. Cause like, first of all, you can live off way less money than I can live off. And if you could do that, I'm like, Holy shit, bro. Like you you're set in 90% of the world, you'll be living great. You can do your online businesses and whatnot. But I think, um, but if you are, here's the catch part though. Like if you are happy living your life, then maybe you don't need to try a bunch of different stuff, but I don't know. I think everyone should try new things, including myself, which I need to do. Um, maybe take a ballerina class. I don't know. And uh, maybe that will make me more happy. So, well, you you did try something more recently. Well, not I mean probably like a month ago or so, like or what? It was probably three months ago when you started doing the reels. Like you thought you were going to be miserable doing the reels. Like I need somebody else to do the reels. I can't edit videos. It's going to ruin my podcast. It's going to make me hate it. And now you're like, give me send me videos. Like send me some B roll so I can edit these. Like, oh, you don't want to edit it? Okay, it's done. And I'm like. I'm like, look at that, you know, so that's, that's another good example of that. And, and that does, that does fall back on a lot of stuff we talked about is just go and do, go do block out the haters and go do shit. Like well, you once you, your point to once you do, it eliminates all that thinking in your head too. Cause like you're in the world, like doing shit. So you don't have time to be depressed or time to like, you're like, Oh, like this is, I kind of like this. I kind of don't like, I, I agree with that. Like just, get outside of your head like get into the world start fucking making moves and and see what clicks but you're right dude that is trippy to think about like i love these reels now they're so fun to make like i remember watching people on the reels before they were doing this thing where they they needed to post every day because the the reach was getting insane for the algorithm back then and uh this guy was like god i'm like all i want to do is sit on my phone and make reels now i love it so much because it is cool dude like i'm putting my like creativity into this like little video thing and it's like a movie and it's I, I just love it it's pretty cool anyways um what else uh is on your mind with this corporate world you can probably take this and use this fully yeah no it's good okay um let me hit on this quick